You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. Well, we're in between series uh, this weekend and next weekend, but that in no way would uh, mean that today's message is of any lesser value. In fact, in my opinion, the content of today's message may be uh, the most uh, significant biblical truth that we could take time to consider. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time to reconsider uh, just how deep, how wide, how broad, how great, how vast, how outrageous God's love is for each one of us. Now, I recognize that uh, a possible response, probably none of you, but a possible response could be, um, Really, Pastor Stan? I mean, the love of God, we got that one. I mean, you know, we, we memorized John 3.16. That was one of our first verses. And uh, so how about if we move on to something else? Because we got this love thing down. And uh, to that, I would say prior to this week, that could have been my response. I might have said, hey, let's, let's deal with something else because we, we got this. Uh, however... This week, I found myself in a place where there was some stuff going on inside of me. Nothing major, but just some stuff that I was experiencing that had to do with some feelings and some emotions. And I'm not really even today sure what they were all about. I'm not sure what triggered them. But in the midst of that, of those feelings, those emotions, here's, here was kind of the picture that I have in my, in my mind. Here's God. And here's God's love. And in my heart and in my mind, uh, in my faith life, I know that God loves me. Of that, I got it. I have no doubt. So I saw that here. And then I saw me here. And there was a disconnect between the two. For some reason, I had allowed uh, whatever was going on inside of me to... uh, caused me to feel isolated from God. Uh, It wasn't something that God had done. It really wasn't because God is constant. But uh, there were some things going on inside, and I just couldn't merge the two. It wasn't because of something I had done or a sin I had committed. There was just some kind of cruddy stuff going on inside. And so I I began to try to reconcile that throughout the week. And um, here's the prayer that I finally ended up praying. God... Would you give me a fresh revelation of your love? I don't like this and this. I want this. Would you begin to just overwhelm me? Would you saturate me? And would you just let me feel your love in a way that I never have before? And God is always faithful, isn't he? And that's what began to happen throughout the week. Is I just began to feel this sense of instead of this and this, that uh, there were times where I literally felt like I was in the embrace of a loving father. And it's because I was. What God was saying is there was never really this and this. Something was causing you to feel this, but it wasn't. It, it was your reality at the time, but it wasn't a truth. And here's what I, here's what I think it is. Um, I think that far too often... We allow our, um, our perceptions about God and God's love to become compromised or tainted. Somehow we allow them to create something in our head and in our heart that's really not attached to the truth of who God is. And that's exactly what happened to me. And maybe you're here today and you, you've been in that same place 
or you're in it right now and you're thinking, man, this sounds really familiar. I've had some stuff going on inside of me and I see God here and me here and in my heart and in my mind, my faith walk. I know God loves me, but I'm just not connecting. And so my prayer for all of us today is that we would be reconnected, that we would rediscover uh, the, the love of God. In our faith walk, it's important that we understand that uh, perception is critical. Our perception shapes our view of God. Our perception shapes how we respond and how we relate to God. Let me say that again. Our perception shapes, it determines how we relate and how we respond to God. Um, the consequences of misperceptions about God have serious consequences. In other words, an inaccurate misunderstanding of God keeps us from rightly relating to and responding to God. It causes something in us that we begin to believe a deception. The misperception is actually a, a deception that causes us to uh, disassociate or cause us to think something about God that's actually not true. I spent some time this week um, as I was kind of walking through this, and, and I, let me just put a side note here. I'm good. I'm, I'm not going to fall apart or anything. I didn't have some critical thing. It's just one of those things that we experienced. Something was going on inside. So, but it caused me to think a little deeper. And um, I began to think, well, what is it that influences our perceptions? What are those things that shape our perceptions? And there's so many but I identified what I would say are three very significant influencers that influence and shape our perceptions. And I want to tell you what they are and a little bit about them. We're going to have fun with one of them. Uh, the first thing that I believe that shapes or influences our perceptions are our experiences. And particularly our experiences in how we love and how we've been loved. Because remember, we're talking about our perceptions about the love of God. And so our experiences and how we love and how others love us greatly affect our perceptions. So in other words, and I'm going to limit this within to the family, our family of origin. Um, depending on the kind of relationship you had with your father or your mother could greatly affect your uh, perception of God. In other words, if you had a very loving father, you're probably more prone to have a right perception about the love of God. But if you had a father who was absent or a father who betrayed you or a father who was not loving or who, who was abusive, that's going to shape how you respond to, to Father God. You, you, it's going to tweak. It's going to compromise how you see him. So one is our experiences. I think a second thing that influences our perceptions are um, our emotions, because what happens is our experiences create emotions within us. And too often, I can say at least for me, I can allow my emotions to become uh, an unworthy compass. Um, those, those emotions become uh, deceptions disguising themselves as truth. And so I believe, so this week, I, I, my emotion said, Here's God and his love, and here's you, and you're disconnected. Well, the truth of the matter, that, that, that was a deception, because 
there was no separation between God and I. God was embracing me the entire time, but I let my emotion shape my perception. And then the third thing that I identified is that I, and I believe is a, is a, a powerful influencer uh, of our perception is the culture that we live in. How fast is the culture changing? Second by second. And what we have to realize is the, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. When we come into relationship with Jesus, that's where our citizenship is. But we live in a world who's um, given, uh, the world is given oversight, rulership by uh, the God of this world, the, the, the forces of darkness, the forces of evil. His name is, is Satan. And so the culture is constantly in competition trying to deceive our perceptions, trying to make sure that our perceptions aren't attaching us into God, but that it would actually have us to have a false view of God. And again, in the culture, there's so many things that we could talk about, but I've chosen one because I thought it's actually fun. Um, how many of you believe that there's power in music? Raise your hand if you believe there's. Yeah, I think we're 100 percent in there. How many of you believe that there's that music has the power to influence our perceptions, to influence our perceptions about God, but also to influence our perceptions about the love of God? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. So let me go ahead and give a disclaimer. What I'm getting ready to do is not about a message or a message segment about the wiles and the dangers of rock music. That all happened in the 80s. I'm not going to talk about backmasking, and I'm not going to talk about subliminal, you know, uh, stuff that comes. Um, that, that happened a long time ago, and I'm not here to say whether that's right or wrong, but I had plenty of teaching on that. That's not what I'm trying to do. I just want to just drive a point home to say uh, music has power to influence our perceptions about the love of God, about love and about the love of God. So here's what I want you to do. I want you, for the next couple of minutes... Uh, to, to recall, I want you to recall your most favorite secular love song of all times. Okay? So right now there should be some melodies that start going through your head. You should have had something take you back to a place. In a minute, I'm going to ask two or three of you to actually be vulnerable and maybe embarrass yourself and share. We've had real fun with it in all the services so far. And while you're thinking, I'll give you... A couple of mine, give you time to think. 1994, Luther Vandross, Always and Forever. There's something about that song. Bruce Lowe was in the second service, and as soon as I said it, he goes, yes. <laughs> Always and Forever. When I hear that song, it just takes me to a place. It takes me to a time, and it actually creates a really good feeling inside of me. It's not necessarily that it's a bad perception, but it's, We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, my second one is, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's our song, um, Frank Sinatra, The Way You Look Tonight. Uh, when I hear that song, of course, I think about my wife, but if we're together, I go, that's our song. That, that's our song. And then I won't tell you the rest of the story. Um, a little delayed reaction there. So how about you? How about, how about some of you? Would any of you be willing to just kind of, you don't have to tell me who sang it or the year, but what are some of your favorite love songs from the past, secular love songs? Be careful with the titles. Yeah. Somebody after the last service said, I have thought of one, but I realize I shouldn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> say it again. Okay. Yeah, it's great. Somebody else. I'll always love you. I'll always love you. Who else? 
The Power of Love by Huey Lewis. A Thousand Years by Sting. Who else? Unforgettable by Nat King Cole. Somebody else. All these songs are starting to go around in your head. I've lost you for the rest of the service probably. Two, two more people. Tell me, your, tell me your favorite love song. Go ahead and embarrass yourself. It doesn't matter who wrote it. All of my love. Does anybody know who wrote it? Okay. Yeah, all of my love. Uh, who over here? Somebody. Truly. 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 Okay. Anybody else? Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw. My best friend. These are all great. I did a little research this week just to drive this point home. Uh, and I did a little research of uh, love songs through the decades. And again, it's just to just kind of illustrate how, how music can have a power to influence our perception. So in the 1940s, Nat King Cole sang, I love you for sentimental reasons. In the 1950s, Elvis Presley sang, Love Me Tender. Sam Cooke sang, Darling, You Send Me. In the 60s, Wayne Fontana sang about a groovy kind of love. The Everly Brothers sang, When Will I Be Loved? And the Miracles sang, I Second That Emotion. Paul Revere and the Raiders sang, Him or Me. In the 70s, the Bee Gees sang, How Deep Is Your Love? Captain and Tennille, how could we forget Captain and Tennille? What did they sing? Love will keep us together. You can't mention Captain and Tennille without doing this. Remember muskrat love? (laughs) Now, I can honestly say I really don't think that muskrat love influenced anybody's perspective. (laughs) Other than just kind of saying, what is going on and are those real muskrats in the background? (laughs) Uh, Morris Albert sang Feelings. Mary McGregor sang Torn Between Two Lovers. In the 80s, it's interesting because the titles kind of changed Foreigner saying, I want to know what love is. Tina Turner saying, what's love got to do with it? Air Supply saying, all out of love. Atlantic Starship saying, secret lovers. In the 90s, Elton John saying, can you feel the love tonight? Mariah Carey saying, dream lover. And Meat Love saying, I do anything for love. Uh, then in the 2000s, Plain White Tea saying, Hey there, Delilah. Black Eyed Peas saying, I got a feeling. Carrie Underwood, listen to this. She's saying, Before he cheats. <laughs> Someone was having a bad perception day. And Shakira saying, Whenever, wherever. I'm sure what's up with that. Um, again, it's not about the wiles and dangers of rock music. I just wanted to have a little bit of fun and to illustrate a point that the culture... Our emotions, our experiences have the power to influence our perceptions about life, our perceptions about uh, God, and our perceptions about God's love for us. And uh, the point I'm trying to make is not whether any of those are good or bad or right or wrong. It's not about whether the perceptions are right or wrong, but to say... These are all expressions of love that someone has written and expressed. However, in comparison to God's love, they pale. They pale in comparison to God's love. They can't match it. They can't give us a true perspective of what God's love like. And honestly, they were probably never intended to. But what happens is even though they pale in comparison to God, uh, God's love for us, Too often we allow these kinds of things, again, our emotions, our experiences, like the culture, music, whatever it might be, to innocently, I think uh, most times, to uh, create in us 
a false perspective about God and about God's love. They just carry over into that avenue of life. Um, as I was thinking through the message, I um, and I and I do this every week. I uh, I stopped and said, "What what would the takeaway? What would the takeaway be from this message?" Because honestly, I, I don't ever want to just bring you head knowledge. I, I, I'm only going to bring you something that God's actually working in me. Significant or funny how this week I had a problem understanding God's love and that happened to be the message. Um, and so uh, in the same way that I asked God to overwhelm me with his love and began to experience that, I thought that, that's the takeaway from today is that each one of us would reconsider and be renewed in just how extreme, just how outrageous God's love is for us. And that if we've had some misperceptions along the way, that we would allow there to be a work of the Holy Spirit that would actually transform that in us and that we would walk away renewed and refreshed in his love. So with that, where do you begin? Um, where, how do we correct uh, wrong perceptions, misperceptions? Um, and I think the place you begin is if you want to, if you want to um, replace a false perception, then you have to remove it and replace it with a right perception. And in doing so, we have to be uh, extremely careful, extremely cautious that those perceptions that we're drawing from are perceptions that lead us into biblical truth, a biblical understanding of God and God's love. Uh, we can't replace it with anything else but Scripture. And so with that, uh, the place that I want to start this morning as we begin to replace misperceptions with right perceptions or be reminded of right perceptions is um, I want to read three passages of Scripture to you. I believe that these are um, not only foundational, but they're transformational in our understanding God's love. And typically I'd say pull out your Bibles or your phones and, and read with me or read on the screens. Actually, what I want you to do right now, because you don't find these in your notes, I'll tell you the references, but um, I, I want you to just listen because there's something about just allowing the Word to saturate us. And then in a few minutes there's some, several scriptures we're going to read together. So the first scripture uh, hopefully is very common to most of us, maybe not to all, is John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. God's love for us is so extreme. It's so outrageous that he actually gave himself. As he gave his son Jesus, he was giving himself there's not more that he could have given. That's how much he loves us. The second passage of Scripture that I want to read to you is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 37. Listen as I read. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced 
that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, no matter what the hardship, no matter what the challenge, no matter what the failure, no matter what's thrown at you, there is nothing that can occur in your life that will cause this and this. This scripture tells us that there is nothing Do you hear what I'm saying? There is absolutely nothing that can separate us from God's outrageous love. He loves us so much that he is willing to be constant with us all of the time. He never turns his back on us. Nothing. I'll say it again. There is nothing that can separate us from God's love. It never will. It never can. It's not able to. Nothing can separate us from God's love. There's one last passage of Scripture that I want to read. It's in 1 John 4, uh, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, uh, does not, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So it's not that God loves us. God is love. He's the very expression of love. Foreigner said, I want to know what love is. We know what the answer is. God is love. Imagine if we could have told them that a long time ago. They might be up here today instead of me. That's the answer. God's love is never based on his experiences. God's love is not based on emotion. God's love is not based on anything that has to do with the culture. Even though the culture's changing, God's love will never change. He's not forced by the culture. God is the very expression of love. These are the things that we have to replace misperceptions with. These are the things that we have to accept by faith. These are the things that we have to embrace. Even when the enemy comes in and says, that's not true about you. That is a lie. All of these things pertain to you no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your failure, no matter what your challenges, no matter what you're facing, God's love will not turn its back on you. Never. What else would the Bible offer us about the love of God? Again, we're replacing misperception with biblical truth. And so what I want us to do over the next couple of minutes is there's uh, five passages of Scripture that greatly that paint a vivid picture for us of what God's love is. And so um, we're going to read them together. I'll tell you the verse. It's going to come up on the screen. I think they're there in your notes. And when I say go, we'll read it and we'll talk about it briefly. So the first one is found in Psalm 103, verse 11. Are you ready? Let's read. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. In other words, his love is unmeasurable. It has no limits. It has no boundaries. It can't be reduced to a mathematical equation. When I was a child, uh, my father from time to time would say, how much do you love me? And my response was always the same. I love you as big as the sky. 
And I chose that because it was beyond anything that I could measure. And that's what I was trying to express to him. I love you more than I could even imagine. And I think that that's what the psalmist is saying through this verse about God's love, is that God's love for us is so outrageous. It's higher than the heavens above the earth. It's higher than anything that we could even logically begin to think of. You'll never be able to comprehend it. The second one is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. You ready? Let's go. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and know this love that surpasses knowledge. In other words, it's uncomprehensible. It surpasses our knowledge. We'll never in this life, because we see things dimly, we'll never be able to get our, uh, our mind, even our heart around his love. It's uncomprehensible. It exceeds anything that we could ever begin to think about or imagine. There's nothing that we could come up with that would say, that's it. Now I comprehend God's love. Let's look at Psalm 107, verse 8. Let's read it together. You ready? Let's go. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. His love is unfailing. We sing about it. His love never fails, never gives up. Forgive this voice. It never runs out on me. That's the truth. God's love never fails. Listen to me. I don't know where you might be right now in your walk. I don't know if maybe you've had some horrific failure. And in that failure, you somehow convinced yourself, how could God accept me? He loves you. He's given himself for you. He died for you. He embraces you. It's unfailing. He does not give up on you. Come to him now. Let, him, uh, let, let yourself feel his embrace. That's what God is. That's what God does. The last one is Psalm 100, verse 5. Are you ready? Let's read it together. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. His love is unceasing. In other words, when we die, his love doesn't come to an end. In fact, uh, we know... Scripture tells us to be absent from the body when we're in Christ is to be present with the Lord. It's not until we get to eternity that we finally begin to fully comprehend. It's not even we begin. It's when we are in eternity that then we fully comprehend this is love because we're experiencing love to its fullest because our salvation is complete because we, are, we were saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. And so when we get to that shall be saved place, when we're in heaven with our father, then we know what love is. Listen, no matter how much we know about God's love, there will always be more. There will always be more because, again, we see dimly. Here's what I want to do in just the last few minutes. Um, I want us, as we are considering the depth of God's love, God's outrageous love, I want us to uh, look to a passage in Luke chapter 15. And it's in this passage that Jesus paints the most vivid picture of how outrageous God's love is. Um, 
because it's 24 verses, I'm, I'm not going to read it to you. I actually want to just take some time and I want, I want to talk you through it. I want to talk to you about the passage. And I'll begin by just giving you some context. What's happening is that the Pharisees and the tax collectors are all bent out of shape because of who Jesus is keeping company with. And here's their response. Can you believe it? He actually eats with sinners and he welcomes them. How could this be? How could someone who claims to be the Son of God do something like that? And in response, Jesus tells three parables. A parable is simply a story that could be real, uh, but not that he brings alongside to illustrate a truth. And so he illustrates the truth uh, through these three stories of God's outrageous love. And the first story that he tells is the story, and all the stories are about something that are lost, but the first story that he tells is about a shepherd who had a, a flock of a hundred sheep. Um, one day, one of the foolish sheep decided that he wanted to go out on his own and become very independent. And so he began to wander away from the shepherd and the rest of the flock. When the shepherd recognized that the one was gone, he did something pretty extreme. He left the 99 who were safe, and he went until he, and he looked until he found the one lost sheep. When he found that one lost sheep, he placed him on his shoulders. He made his way back to the rest of the flock. He called his friends. He called his neighbors. He called his family. And they threw an incredibly great party because they were so joyous because one foolish lost sheep had been found. And that's a picture of God's outrageous love for us. God will go to extreme measures even in our foolishness. When we decide we want to be independent, when we decide that we want to go out on our own, when we lose our way, the Father will seek us out. He will come after us. His love is outrageous. The second story that he tells is about uh, a careless woman. Um, in that story... The, the woman loses a coin that is very valuable to her. It's believed that that coin most likely is part of her dowry. And historically, what we would know is that very likely that coin would have been a part of a, an ornament that had many coins on it that were part of her dowry that she would have worn as a headdress. She loses one of those coins. And so in desperation, she tries to find it. The problem is it's, it's extremely dark in her house, and it's probably so dark because she lives in a place where there are no windows in her home. So what does she have to do? She has to bring light into the situation. She lights a candle, she brings light, and she begins to tediously sweep through the earthen floor until she finally finds the coin. And when she finds the coin, she calls her friends, she calls her neighbors, she calls her family, and they throw this incredible party because one valuable coin was found. And again, that is an outrageous picture. It's a vivid picture of God's outrageous love for us. In other words, when we place ourselves in really dark situations... When in our carelessness we find ourselves in the dark and we've lost our way, God in his love will always bring his light into our darkness. 
because he loves us so much. And then there was the final story. This is probably the most familiar to all of us. It's the story of the lost son. Oftentimes we would refer to it as the prodigal son. I'm going to call him the lost son today. Uh, The son goes to his father, uh, evidently somewhat of a wealthy family. The son goes to the father and he says, you know what? I decided I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait till you die. And so the father grants his um, request. He says, okay. He settles his estate. He, He gives the son the inheritance coming to him. The son, after he receives the inheritance, decides that he doesn't want to live on the farm anymore. He wants to have city life. So he takes off to the city. And as Jesus tells the story, he said that the son squandered his entire inheritance on reckless living. And then a famine came, and he was extremely hungry. He went to work on a pig farm. While he's working on the pig farm, slopping the pigs, he comes to his senses, is what Jesus says, and he realizes... I could at least go home to my father and work as one of his hired hands and have at least better food than what I'm getting now. And so he decides to go back home. He makes his way back home, and here's what he finds. Not only is his father waiting for him, but his father actually runs to him and greets him and embraces him and welcomes him back to the family. He brings new clothes out for him, and then he places a ring on his family, and that ring is a signet ring that's a sign that this man, this son, is no longer lost, but he's been restored back into the family. That's how outrageous God's love is. That's a picture of God's outrageous love for us is that when we decide to go off on our own in our rebellion, when we make a decision to repent and come back home to the Father, that He welcomes us. He declares us as His sons and daughters. He doesn't turn His back on us, but He says, I embrace you. You're one of my own. That's God's outrageous love. That's how outrageous God's love for us Father God, today our prayer is is that we would be renewed, that we would be restored, that we would have a refreshing, that we would have a brand new revelation of just how great your love is. And we pray that that would continue because we know it's beyond comprehension and that every day there's something new to learn. Father God, I pray that if there are those here today who are feeling disconnected from God's love, that today... There would be a transformation that would happen by your spirit that would cause that deception to be put to, to, to bed and that there would be a recognition that the Father is loving and embracing even now and that the Father's love is constant, it's unfailing, it's unceasing. He will never give up. He'll never turn his back on us. Father God, I pray that you just cause us to understand that like never before. Father God, thank you for your outrageous love. Thank you for the way you've loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.